Rusty Ship is the man in charge of the vessel, Rusty Ship. And he's come for a talk with the antidote. Man, it's good to have you here. Good to be here as well. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Okay, tell me, how did you dream up the band name? (laughs) Well, you're never going to believe it, but uh, I was actually named Russell T. Ship. So at some point, I decided to just go by Rusty Ship, which became Rusty Ship. And uh, we were coming up with different band names when the band got started. And at some point, people were like, man, why don't we just call it Rusty Ship? It's like, we're not going to come up with a better name than that. And then uh, it's worked out really well for us because people are like, oh, man, Rusty Ship, that's a cool name. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, My name's Rusty Ship. They're like, what? (laughs) Then you've got like an instant connection with people. So they remember your band name. Did you ever take offense that your parents had given you that name? <laughs> no. And what's funny is that no one in my family even made the connection because everybody just called me Russ Ship or Russell Ship. So I actually didn't even make the connection until I was, you know, like after college, which is crazy. <laughs> That's too cool. Yeah. I'm a boring guy, and I like to start at the beginning. So what about telling us about the band coming together and how your first EP, Hold Fast to Hope, came about? Yeah, totally. Those were different days back then. That's when I uh, first moved to Nashville, Tennessee, from uh, the D.C. area in uh, the suburbs in Virginia. And so I uh, wanted to go to Music City, USA, so I moved down here. Didn't know anybody and uh, used Craigslist to try finding bandmates and eventually got a group of guys together. And then um, we recorded the EP Hold Fast to Hope. And those were some songs that I actually had in my repertoire for years. And then finally, we had this opportunity to record those songs. Is that a necessity for a musician to do the move to Nashville? (laughs) Um, Definitely not. But I will say... While Nashville definitely has a lot more musical competition than most places, um, there are, at the same time, a lot more music opportunities and networking that can happen in Nashville that can't happen in most places. So the musical resources are just incredible in Nashville. And the potential of opportunities and providential meetings with people is pretty amazing, just by the, the very fact that you live in Nashville. Pretty cool. Well, I want to go back to that EP, Hold Fast to Hope. Mm-hmm. I was quite amused because it has a quirky song, F-words okay. you don't <laughs> mind. I mean, yeah. Were you purposefully trying to push people's buttons with that song? Um, In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. There's a common thread that runs through a lot of our songs where I definitely like to um, get people to think and in order to get people to think, I kind of want to rattle them a little bit so that their ears perk up and they're like, oh, what is this song about? That's awesome if I can accomplish that. So if it's something as simple as naming a song F-words, then (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm all for that. Uh, I'm up for that challenge. But uh, the, the subject matter of that song is definitely dark subject matter because it is about how culture gets darker and darker even after just, you know, 10 years of time. Like in the song, I reference F-words being in video games, which would never be thought of in the 90s when I was growing up. It's like, well, now they they have that. 
So it's just kind of a an overall social commentary on culture in general and how it declines over time. That's where I think the music from Rusty's ship actually comes from another time and place because <laughs> this is legitimate rock and roll and that's a yeah. rare thing nowadays. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised um, when people hear our music, they're like, whoa, this is like actual rock and roll. I'm like, whoa, yeah, it, it is. But uh, people are kind of shocked. It's like, whoa, this is like straight from the 90s, like the golden era of hard rock music. But I always take that as a compliment. I mean, I love music in the 90s. Those guys were doing it right. Amazing, catchy melodies combined with really hard rocking riffs. So it's like, hey, if we can be compared to that, I'm not complaining. And the 90s was right because that was the decade you grew up in? Yeah. I don't usually ask about a band's influences, but I mm-hmm. guess this time I'm interested. So who's yeah. on your list? Um, when I grew up, I actually lived in a pretty sheltered household. So I didn't listen to like bands on the radio. I only listened to oldies music from the 50s and 60s and then uh, Christian rock bands from the 90s. So that's really the bedrock of my upbringing is um, oldies music like Beach Boys. That's my favorite band. Um, a little bit later, I got into the Beatles, and that completely revolutionized my whole world as far as songwriting went. And then um, on the Christian rock side of things, I mean, DC Talk was my all-time favorite band. Still is my all-time favorite band. Um, and then later on, I got into like more of the uh, punk rock side of things like MXPX and bands like that. Since you brought up about DC Talk... Yeah. You're a dedicated fan. Give us your thoughts. Will they ever reunite? You know, it's really ironic because anybody who knows me knows that I'm a diehard DC Talk fan, and I have been since 1997. (laughs) Um, And my favorite singer is Kevin Max. I just love the sound of his voice. So interesting. And one of the cool things about living in Nashville is that you actually run into these people because they live in Nashville or Franklin, which is, you know, really close. Through a a weird series of events, I actually ended up uh, meeting up with Kevin Max from DC Talk. And uh, we actually got together and had coffee, and uh, I was able to talk to him and pick his brain. And which for me as a diehard DC Talk fan was like an all-time life opportunity. And so I got to talk to him about some of that stuff. He's pretty optimistic about uh, DC Talk getting back together. He's talked to the other guys, and they seem optimistic about it. So I would say at this point, yes, definitely, DC Talk is getting back together for more than just uh, a cruise here and there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty optimistic that they're going to get back together for you know more shows and and hopefully like an album or something. I think that will happen. Well, think about it. They'll reunite, and then they'll front for you guys. <laughs> you know, that'd be a great deal. Yeah, like, man, I wonder if there's a way that uh, we can play on the Jesus Freak cruise. I mean, we are called Rusty Ship, after all. It's like the, <laughs> you know, the perfect band to play on a cruise ship, you know? That would definitely cut the ticket sales way down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about that, because the band has described Rusty Ship as being nautical rock and roll. Was yeah. it simply the band name that brought that around? Um, actually, a, a big part of it was, in fact, the band name, because we're like, okay, we're called Rusty Ship. Uh, well, like, what should our music sound like? It started out like more like the Hold Fast to Hope EP, which was just kind of like this, you know, '90s rock 
Um, but then it's like, well, let's get a little bit more interesting than that. So we tried to make music that sounded more and more like a rusty ship. So it's like still grungy, like the word rusty would imply. But now it's like we're, we're introducing more and more surf rock influences for kind of that underwater ship motif or whatever. <laughs> Um, And, you know, some of that has to do with my influences growing up of the Beach Boys. And also, I'm I'm a huge uh, 60s surf rock fan with uh, Dick Dale. He's my favorite guitarist. And so, you know, and that's not a combination of music that a lot of people are doing out there. Kind of grunge-influenced melodic rock music with surf rock undertones. So I'm like, man, that's just like an awesome, interesting combination that's different than what people are doing and, you know, everybody loves nautical songs and nautical movies about sailors and pirates and whatever folklore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, just, it's just interesting. I think everybody loves it and it's a lot of fun. Well, you absolutely hear the surf rock sound coming through on Sinking Scarabs. Yeah. I mean, that intro is totally surf rock. <laughs> it is. But going into the lyrics of the song, like, have you ever felt that your faith was sinking in the ocean? <laughs> no. Uh, well... I mean, probably yes to some degree. I don't know if I've ever felt it so extremely that I felt like I'm like um, sinking to my death and like underwater and about to die and I still need faith. I don't know if I've felt it to that extreme, although it is an interesting uh, metaphor for daily life, I think. Well, it sounds like you had something else to say about that song. Um, You know, a lot of my songs, they have a message, but a lot of it is also just me writing about something that I find interesting. So that one is more just like an interesting song. I actually wrote that when I was uh, swimming in the Atlantic Ocean, and I looked over and there was a beetle sinking in the water next to me. And I started kind of singing like, sinking scarabs. (laughs) So that's how it started. That morphed into like, well, what would like a sinking scarab represent and a scarab is kind of like a a spiritual symbol so it's kind of like well what is sinking spirituality or what if i'm sinking what would what would my spirituality look like and that can relate to in the world if i'm sinking down with life circumstances am i going to have faith in the darkest of when i'm at the bottom of the barrel well that faith aspect comes up on virtually all your music and I mean, it doesn't bring in the I'm a perfect kind of Christian thing. You know, <laughs> this is the real stuff, you know, more it's dirt and all. Does that make the music more relatable? Yeah, well, I hope so. And I'm really happy to hear that um, you thought that the faith does permeate through the music and it's noticeable. That's not something that everybody picks up on. But then the people that do pick up on it are like, oh, wow, this is this is really powerful stuff. What was your question? <laughs> I said, does that type of thing make the music more relatable? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Um, I definitely want to talk about real things in life. And also, like I said before, I, I like to write things that I think are just kind of interesting, more than just the, the same old stuff that people sing about, and think about creative ways to communicate things that haven't been used before. I think that definitely people relate to it more when it's a little less polished. And our music is definitely focused on everybody in the world, um, Christians and non-Christians alike. 
um, a lot of our songs are specifically focused on non-Christians. So it's like we want to use lyrics that are going to be thought-provoking for them to get them to think about the deeper things in life. One way to do that is by having really provocative songs that are just provocative for all human beings in general. Obviously, the music of Rusty Ship isn't the sanitized type of Christian music you were hearing back in the 90s. Yeah, What about totally. being accepted? Like, does the church support you in any way? Um, yeah, they do, actually. More than I thought, honestly. I've been really shocked. Because um, our band, we we really weren't targeting a, a Christian audience. Um, you know, I'm writing music that I think is very real, like you said, and um, it is very much faith-inspired and trying to make a difference. But it wasn't so much focused on believers as much as it was just the world in general. So most of my focus, uh, writing these songs and stuff for most of our years, but then um, we actually got our first Christian recognition when we submitted our album Mortal Ghost to Jesus Freak Hideout. And the people that reviewed it, and they fell in love with it, and so much so that it actually ended up on their list of uh, the top 10 albums of 2017, which was uh, a real shock for us because that's the first exposure that we've ever had in the Christian music world. But the bigger shock is that we were on the list of top 10 albums with bands like Mercy Me, um, King's Kaleidoscope and Propaganda, John Mark McMillan, huge, huge artists. So it wasn't like top 10 indie artists of 2017. It was top 10 artists, period, in all of Christian music, not even just rock music. Um, so once that happened, I was like, oh my gosh, the Christian music world is actually not scared off by songs like Crack Baby or something like that that really has like a darker element to it that in most cases would kind of scare off a, a lot of uh, Christian music people. Ever since that, we've gotten a lot more attention from people within the church and on uh, Christian radio and Christian websites and stuff like that. Cool. Which is awesome because, I mean, the reality is that Christianity is a very rough subject. <laughs> you know, it, it really isn't a polished subject. I mean, it all revolves around a guy being crucified. You know, it doesn't get much more gross and gothic and metal than that. <laughs> Well, there. See, that's the next step for your band. You go right from this into Viking metal. Yeah. You know, I'm not opposed to it, actually. I think that would actually fit within the Rusty Ship artistic spectrum. <laughs> One of the nautical theme songs, Davy Jones, that was on your Hold Fast to Hope EP. Yep. Then you recorded a new version for the Mortal Ghost album. Yeah. Did it need to be retold? Um, I think so. That song was definitely the fan favorite from our EP. And then once we kind of upped the ante and went for just an overall better production quality, uh, and we knew that we were going to record an album that was going to be significantly better quality than the EP. I don't <laughs> think anybody would question that, <laughs> including myself. But it's like, oh my gosh, okay, like we've got this access to like a great producer, great recording studio man, I just can't justify letting Davy Jones kind of slip by and not have that amazing quality to it when it's already the fan favorite. So of all the songs on the EP, it was like that was the one to redo and go all out with, um, you know, all these cool extra 
recording tools at our fingertips. I'm not sure how personally you're trying to get on one of the songs, because you bring in the topic of women, Hmm. and that comes up in quite a few songs from Rusty's Ship. Yeah. Lusting after women comes up on the song Caliganophobia. Yep. Isn't it guys that cause the problem, not women? (laughs) Um, I think it's a mutual thing. Some of that depends on the culture. Um, But yeah, Caliganophobia, which means fear of beautiful women. It's kind of a goofy song and kind of silly, but also at the same time, it has somewhat of a serious message. I don't know. I mean, I think everything in that song should be taken uh, with a little bit of a, a grain of salt. I do, I do think it's a, a mutual thing. I think that both men and women need mutual respect for each other and the way that both of them are wired and the different understandings that both of them have regarding their bodies. And I think that they need to be respectful of that. Rusty Ship has big plans coming. Got a new album coming out in 2019. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a shipwreck, right? It is <laughs> definitely not a shipwreck. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist doing that. Although it kind of is maybe a shipwreck, considering that some of the subject matter on the album is going to regard a shipwreck. Ah, oh, but you're not giving any hints away. Um, you know what? I can give some hints away. Uh, this is going to be our first full-on concept record. Um, There was some of that in Mortal Ghost, but it was more of like a thematic album as opposed to like actually telling a story the whole way through. So this time around, it's like, well, okay, Mortal Ghost was an amazing album. How can we do something even more creative and ambitious? So we decided to do, yeah, full on story based concept record. And so this one, it's going to follow the storyline of basically a an evil organization that is assembling sea mines and putting them throughout the ocean. And then after the war, uh, there are leftover mines that are colliding and blowing up civilians. So there's civilian casualties uh, decades after the war. So that's the general storyline throughout the, the record. And it's an interesting record because in typical Rusty Ship fashion of us making thought-provoking music that is kind of trying to kind of startle people and get them to listen and muse on our lyrics and concepts. We're going to call the the record Liquid Exorcist. It has a reoccurring theme through most of the songs, which is detailing the metaphorical subject of exorcism. Not so much of casting a demon out of a person as much as just the the concept of a spirit being released from a body. And so in the different songs, it's looking at that subject matter within the fictitious storyline and within the context of this war that's happening. When are you thinking about having that come out? We're currently recording the new record right now. We're in the studio with a great producer. His name's Stephen Lywicki. Uh, he's done. He's actually done a lot of stuff in the Christian music industry. Yeah, that is uh, yet to be determined when we're going to be finished with that. But uh, hopefully, early in 2019, we're going to release the first single or two before we release that EP. Right now, we've got an Indiegogo campaign for that project, uh, Liquid Exorcist, and um, there's some really cool perks on there. It ends uh, December 17th, so there's still some time. And for 500 bucks, we will go practically anywhere to play a personal party <laughs> for you. <laughs> and then also for uh, $1,500, we're 
we are going to shave our manager's head, and she is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd recommend that, but we'll yeah. all see. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. Um, we're really excited about it. It's pretty cool to get all of our fans and everything involved in the whole process that uh, they can get involved in and literally um, helping this record to come into existence. I've spoken with some other artists about the whole process of writing a concept album. Some have found it really straightforward and kept them on focus. Others said it was just chaotic trying to make it <laughs> all fit. How about for you guys? Um, it went pretty well. I went away on a silent retreat to a monastery. And I was just thinking like three days and basically silent meditation, just analyzing this thing. How is it going to fit together and just tweaking things and making it all fit together like a puzzle. So I, I definitely took on the, the brunt of all that work. And I think it fits together really nicely. It's easy with music because, I mean, there's only so many words you can have in a song. So it's not exactly like a chapter to chapter story. It's just like, you know, kind of artistic images here and there that tie in together. So it wasn't too challenging, I didn't think. It was so funny when I first got a copy of Mortal Ghost, the album, and I saw the one song, I hadn't heard it yet. The SS Neuronic really threw me because I'm a history buff. Hmm. And I was thinking, oh, you're writing about this ship that's burned in the Toronto Harbor. Ah, And yeah. then I realized, no, <laughs> no, it's the SS Neuronic, not Neuronic. <laughs> right, right. There's one that's N-O-R-O, and then the one I'm singing about is N-A-R-O. Well, actually, no, I, actually, I think there's, technically, I think there's like three SS Neuronics. But the one that you're singing about was back in the late 1890s. Yeah. Uh, 310 AM, February 19th, 1893, to be exact. That's possibly the most creative song that's ever come out of this band. Because you got this song that is based on messages and bottles that were found in 1893 that told what happened to the SS Neuronic when it was sinking. And of course, back in 1893, there was really no way to know what happened to the SS Neuronic except for these messages and bottles that washed up on shore. So I took the messages and bottles and turned them into the lyrics of the song about the ship sinking and then kind of introduced what I imagined to be the theological and philosophical angst that would have been on board with the crew as they're going down into this abyss. So that was one of the most creative songs we've done, basing a song off of Messages and Bottles. And uh, the music side was almost equally creative. Basically, I, I went onto YouTube and I just searched for sunken ship videos. And I uh, turned off all the lights in my room and was playing my guitar while just focusing on these sunken ship videos and trying to make riffs that sounded like kind of a sunken ship experience. So that's how that came about. Unfortunately, nothing that sounded like the Titanic theme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very different than the Titanic theme. This is probably going to be easier or hard for you, but I'm sure you've got a biased answer. Battle of the Ages. Ninjas versus pirates. Who wins? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like I'm kind of biased towards pirates because I'm in a nautical rock and roll band. Uh, you know, I just I have to go with that one. I don't really think it would be appropriate for me to go with any other answer <laughs> well my thanks go to rusty shep the man and the band and it was great having you here for a talk 
Yeah, thanks. It's really exciting, and I just feel really blessed and honored to be here.